Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Good morning, everybody. Today is Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. I'm your host, Stephen Jr., and today is day 82 of our 100 piece challenge. I don't know that I've ever talked about this, but I come into this show raring to go every single day. I'm like out the door, out the gate, swinging, whatever the, the athletic expression is, because I'm always like, good morning, everybody. Today is. And then I don't remember the day. And then if I finally remember the day, I start again. Good morning, everybody. Today is Wednesday, March 8th, 2000. And then I forget the year. And then I have to go back. And then I forget what piece we're on. So just a little insight, just a little behind the scenes drama between me and the host of this show, me as the producer and the host, you can never get it together. Hi, we pulled uh, Barons of Suburbia today. Yes, we sure did. And I have listened to it several times. I do love Barons of Suburbia. She is risen, boys. Tori says this is a very hard song to play. She said it from the stage that she was working on it um, like early in the tour. You know, things get so hazy, but I really believe this was Robin, my friend Robin's request. And I think that Tori, if, as I recall it, Tori said it from the stage, like, I'm working on it. It's just very difficult. Don't worry. And then, like, wink, wink several times that it was coming. And if I'm mistaken, please correct me, but that's my memory of the events. I was in a whole other place on the tour. So anyhow, it never did come out. Must be very, very hard. But it's funny that, isn't it? It's funny. It was a slight miscalculation to think that that song would be waiting on the other side of Austin, Texas. And it was not. It was not. But the song is about so much. Tori says herself that the song is about takers, the people who like take, take, take. And then she tells a story about how a musician that she worked with, who I believe is Steve Caton, a musician that she worked with said, I think music should be free. And she was like, well, that answers the question where to send your check. And then he looked at me baffled. And I said, well, you think music should be free, but you should get paid for your work? And he said, well, yeah, Tor. I just played my heart out for you. And therein lies the problem. Everybody wants something for free, but nobody wants to not get paid for their work. In the end, Tori says, you know what really frightens me is not the fact that you said it, but the fact that you weren't joking. And that was a big story that she told during the, I think it was in Piece by Piece, about this particular song. That's what I recall about the takers. And as I was listening to it again, let's just talk about Beekeeper for a second. I truly, I owe the Beekeeper a deep extended apology because as I recall the story when I first got the album I got to track three which if I recall correctly is T-Pook and I pulled the CD out of my stereo and I threw it out the window here is why I did that I was not ready I was not I was still you know I'm younger than Tori Amos and as she got married and entered her sensual years I was just still in my wild tumultuous years so I was still looking for that chaotic 98-99 vibe and it was clear that she had kind of settled into a more relaxed state of mind on Scarlet's Walk but a really sensual state of mind in The Beekeeper and I wasn't ready for it. But now that I listen to The Beekeeper, I do owe The Beekeeper an extended apology because I feel that it is a fantastic album now. It took me, it took me. I was, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. It took me years to understand 
how I needed that album in my life or what that album was doing. So I'm here now to apologize to the beekeeper. What a fantastic, stunning album. I've changed my mind. I'm going to rock it today, actually. What an album. The point being, the part that resonates with me now, which might not have resonated with me then, but maybe should have, is it was a slight miscalculation that my friends, my friends would be waiting on the other side of the bridge, on the other side of this, this molehill of a mountain. You know, it's uh, about, again, about the changing nature of friendships and like what friendships do in your life, like what they, what space they occupy when you're a teen, when you're an adolescent versus when you're an adult, how the friendships sort of evolve or change along with your lifestyle, along with your, your social circle. Obviously, we all know that our social circle changes as we get older. We lose friends along the way. It's just true. There have been many studies done. I recall, I wish I could find this one study. Does anybody remember I talked about it a long time ago? And it was like you have a certain amount of friendships in your life and then each friendship has like an hour requirement in order to be like an acquaintanceship or like a best friendship. There was like a, there was like a, if I recall, it was a scientific formula. But I stand here now on the other side of a molehill of a mountain which resonates deeply with me as well. I sit here now drinking my delicious water first thing in the morning because I'm back on the recording in the morning cycle now. I've, I've gotten back into it as of today. Today's my first day waking up on a Tuesday morning recording for Wednesday and I love it. I love everything about it. And I sit here on the other side of this molehill of a mountain having absolutely, I think, blown up my life in the last year and a half. My life is unrecognizable. If I had looked at if I had examined my life at the beginning of 2021, I don't think I would recognize it now. Like the social circle, the friendships, the the way I feel inside. I don't think I would recognize it now, then. I don't think I would recognize it then now. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying. So anyway, as I sit here, I agree with Tori Amos that it was a slight miscalculation that my friends would be waiting. Because you know what? Not everyone is in your corner all of the time. And a lot of times, if your corner is the party corner, if your corner is like decorated and has a lot of like colorful lights and I don't know, free drinks, then yeah, there's a lot of people in your corner. But if your corner is dark and maybe dusty and there's a lot of like clutter that you have to get through to find you, then not many people are gonna go through, go to that corner. So. That's what I've learned along the way. Not everybody is in your corner and not everybody is happy for you when you're happy. And what a wild, what a wild ride that is. <laughs> yeah. And I've learned that, you know, it may be very caustic or it may be very like definitive to draw a line, but I do have to draw a line sometimes for myself because there's things that I will no longer tolerate in friendships. Have you, does anybody... Does anybody scroll the New York Times? (laughs) Does anybody know this guy that's on the New York Times slash TikTok? He's just this like counselor. I think he's a psychologist. And he talks about the things that I will no longer tolerate in a relationship. I'm going to find the clip. I'm going to play it here. Okay, repeat after me. In a relationship, I will only accept clear messages, respectful behavior, honesty, empathy, directness, integrity, warmth, transparency, sharing emotional labor, shared responsibility for initiating intimacy, someone who really wants to be with me, taking responsibility for their impact on me, active listening, emotional intelligence, shared core values, being a priority, support for my dreams, willingness to grow with me, and someone I am super fucking excited about. Anyway, I love that guy. 
I love that guy because he's helped me to understand his content is like a lot of questions that you can ask your partner about open and honest communication, predominantly in gay relationships, where it's not always there, where it's not necessarily, in my experience, hasn't always been like a safe territory for talking about your feelings. So I really do like his content. But that's all to say that it was a slight miscalculation that my friends would be waiting on the other side of the bridge. I find that my decades-long friendships are, like, I pride myself in them so much because the people that I've known, the people I've known forever, my friend Jessica, my friend Amanda, my friend Erica, all the girls that I've known since I was a kid, it's like Angela Chase said in my so-called life, they, they watched you change and they let you change. And there is a comfort there and a safety there. And because of that, I know that I can always turn to them. I can always, always, like, even out of the fucking blue sometimes, even out of the blue, you can always turn to those friends, I think. And I pride myself so much on those relationships. But those are your lifelong relationships that kind of encapsulate your life, I think. But they're not in your daily sphere. They're not in your everyday life. And then there's the everyday friendships that are harder to maintain, I think, because you're busy, because you have a lot going on. And a lot of people have partners, a lot of people have families, especially at this middle age that we're at, on the middle rung, as I've started to call it. Yeah, there's a lot of people focused on their careers, focused on their partners, and there's less time to go out. And then I watched this other TikTok on the New York Times where this guy was like, there's three things that you can do as a partier. Like if you're a partier, you can stop partying entirely and like go cold turkey. You can like wean it off and like just go every once in a while. Or you can keep doing it at the exact same pace that you were doing it and always worry your friends. And I don't want to be that person. I'd like to wean it off. But that's to say that Everything changes in your life, including your friendships. And yes, it might have been a slight miscalculation that your friends would be waiting on the other side of the bridge. But on the other side of the bridge, if you've made it to the other side of the bridge, then congratulations. There's a whole new world to explore on the other side of the bridge, right? Have you ever driven across a goddamn bridge? Have you ever driven across like a cable bridge? Are you kidding me? It's terrifying. I'm sorry. Anybody who's like, oh, I'm cool. I'm relaxed while I'm going up like 90 degrees vertically and then across like a two lane road on a suspended cable bridge for five miles across the ocean, across the bay. No. If you're telling me you're comfortable, I you're a psychopath. <laughs> you're absolutely. You're a thrill sport seeker. You're a danger seeker. And you need to come down to Los Angeles and walk through the streets of downtown LA with no shoes on. You thrill seeker. It's danger sports. All of it. I am not comfortable on that kind of bridge. But if you've made it across the bridge, there's something to celebrate. And you know what? My apartment is not that big. So I can't have that many people over to the celebration anyway. So if it was a slight miscalculation that my friends would be waiting on the other side of the bridge, that's okay. Because the friends that are on the other side of the bridge, at least they'll fit into my apartment. And we can have a charcuterie board and watch Netflix. But I'm canceling Netflix. So we can watch the Criterion channel, which I accidentally bought last year. So there we go. There's worse things than losing friends. There really, really is. In fact, losing friends brings a kind of clarity. I was uh, going through people's stories last night on Instagram, and there was a friend of mine that I came across, and this person was cavorting and hanging out with someone who is very verbally outspoken, not in my favor. 
someone who's come for me for years. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting that my friend, that my f- presumed friend would be hanging out with this person who not only talks shit about me, but talks shit about this friend, talks shit about this person behind their back. So do we not see? Can we not see? But that's not for me to judge. I can only draw my line. That's what I was trying to say. I'm drawing my line. There's things I won't accept in a friendship. And one of them is friends who uh, cavort with this particular person who has been known to come for me. So that's a hard line I have to draw for myself because I want my mind to be clear. I don't want to have, I don't want to feel like my friends are hanging out with this person and then because this person always turns the conversation negative towards me. So I don't want to feel like that's happening and I don't want to have to worry about it. And I feel like friends should stick up for each other even when they're not around. So it was a slight miscalculation that my friends would be waiting on the other side of the bridge, but not all my friends. Some of my friends are still here. So with those I sing, with those I party, with those I cut charcuterie and watch the Oscars on Sunday. Have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm very excited about, like, I'm getting all my energy back. Oh, I pulled an Oracle card at the beginning. And let's look, it's consciousness. I turned it over. I pulled it at the beginning so I wouldn't have to hold the microphone with my breasts. And it was just sitting here on the table. It is consciousness. Today's energy is consciousness. Consciousness is our ability to feel and sense what is around us and within us and to tap into a deeper universal connection. Allow yourself to go beyond yourself and your ego. Tune into this consciousness deeply as you move forward in your journey. That's true. I guess I can't cancel all the people that hang out with this person. That's true. I guess I need to step outside myself and step outside of um, just what's going on in my mind for the greater conversation about taking, because that's what the song is about. It's also a slight miscalculation. Let's talk about this, too. This is fucking pissing me off. Let's talk about the drag ban in Tennessee and how Miley Cyrus has not said a thing about it that I know of, that I'm aware of, because, and I'm, I'm coming from Miley specifically because she was on, wasn't she performing with the queens from RuPaul's Drag Race? And what, hasn't she actively like supported all of the drag queens on RuPaul? And then use drag queens in her performances. And isn't she from Tennessee? I have this sense that she's from Nashville, but regardless, not just Miley Cyrus, there's been an, a shocking silence from major celebrities, major gay allies, major trans allies. There's been a silence among them about this drag ban in Tennessee. And it's infuriating. It's infuriating. And I feel like we need to ban straight people from drag clubs, from drag shows, until they, unless and until they speak out, unless and until they use their allyship. This is getting into some really, really scary territory. When I was in Tennessee, I recall one being in Tennessee in 2003. I'm going to tell a story that I've never told before. I was in Tennessee in 2003 at the end of the year to visit my wife, Danica. I went to visit her in Nashville. She lived in Mount Juliet, and I really enjoyed my time there. But there was a band. They had shut down. They were shuttering all the gay bars. This was when Tales of a Librarian was coming out. If that's... uh, Christmas 03 or Christmas 04. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but that's the year that I was there. And I think it was Christmas 03. And um, they had just shuttered all the gay bars except for one bar that they called The Shoot, which, come on. It's like you gays can have your bar, but we're, we're calling it The Shoot. Anyhow, I recall being at this bar and having a lovely time. 
And there was this one drag queen there who was performing. This is exactly as I remember it, but years have passed. So 20 years almost. Oh, my God. So obviously I was 16 when I was in this bar. And I don't want to hear any argument. So I was in this bar and this drag queen was performing. And as I recall it, she was standing there performing and she between songs she was like lip syncing or no she was actually singing because between songs she said into the microphone she she, to the bartender she's like honey i'm parched can i get a little drink and this guy who had been giving her money like this guy was standing it was like a runway and this guy was standing at the end of the runway handing her like dollar bill after dollar bill to the beat of the music you know so he was giving he gave her like 20 dollars he just and made a spectacle of himself but everybody was cheering but he made a show of himself giving her this money he was at the end of the runway and it wasn't like drag shows like in LA where you're all standing around the runway there were tables you had to get up to give the money and so he went to the end of the runway and was just like boom two three four five six seven to like the beat so he was making it was clear what he was doing and everybody was like yeah seeing how far it would go. He probably gave her about 20 bucks. Then she said, I'm a little parched. Can I get a little water or can I get a little drink or something to the bartender? And he's like, oh, here. And he handed her, he had taken his Rolling Rock beer to the end of the runway with him and he like handed it up to her. And she said, oh no, that's okay, baby. I get my drinks free or something like that. And he was like, and he got offended by that. He's like, you don't want any of my drink? And she's like, it's okay, baby. He's going to bring me a drink. And it turned into an argument It turned into a public, not a brawl, but an argument where he was like coming for this drag queen that he had just given money to. And I realized at the tender age of 16, I realized that this guy was like, he felt like he owned her because he gave her money. He gave her money to perform and he felt like he, she owed him something. It was just really gross. And Nashville's. I just never have felt the same about Nashville. But what I'm talking about is allyship. It, it's a sl- it was a slight miscalculation to think your Miley Cyrus would be waiting or that your Dolly Parton, who also lives in Nashville. I'm Googling right now. What celebrities live in Nashville? What? Wh- oh, which? You know what? I'm sorry. It's too early. Which celebrities? I should have just Googled who lives in Nashville, but I don't want the white pages. Which celebrities live in Beverly Hills, Malibu, Nashville? And we're going to come for these people online. Taylor Swift. Why hasn't she said a goddamn word about it? Dolly Parton. Jack White. Nicole Kidman. Can we talk about this? Kathy Lee Gifford, they all want to go to drag brunch. These assholes all want to go to drag brunch, but no one wants to come out and refuse to play in Tennessee and refuse to allow their fans to spend money in Tennessee. You know, say, you know, draw a hard line. I will not perform in Tennessee. If Taylor Swift said that, if Miley Cyrus, if Dolly Parton said, I will not be performing in Tennessee as long as this happens, that would mean something. It would put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your drag queen's mouths are. You can't rely on anybody these days. I guess that's I guess that's the point of Barons of Suburbia. She is risen. She has to activate herself, right? She's piecing a potion to combat your poison. She has to come up with a different solution because her friends aren't waiting for her on the other side of the bridge. And that's infuriating. And now I'm pissed off. Have a great Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.
Never Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamis.com. Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up.